Good morning, and let me say again, Merry Christmas. Oh, you got to do better. I know, I know. Not yet. Although, I like your enthusiasm. Merry Christmas. All right, you may be seated. The account of the Magi visiting Jesus and his family is a story about radical hospitality. The word of the Lord. No, I'm kidding. We're going to say more about it. This account is about radical hospitality. Period. The Magi are led by the Holy Spirit through natural revelation, the created order, the ancient scriptures and other writings, and science. And they go to give gifts and see with their own eyes what has been revealed through the Spirit with an intent to worship. So they're setting out on this mission of radical hospitality. In a very real way, they're going to welcome somebody. And then we have Jesus and his folks, so to speak. They are going to welcome the Magi with their gifts into the hospitality of their merry little family. This account is a story about radical hospitality. Now, it's clear that it's about hospitality. I'm not going to say any more. To, I'm not going to, if I have to convince you of that, then I don't know. Stay with me. But what makes it radical? What makes it radical? That's what we don't want to miss today. Well, let's just talk about the Magi first. It required, this hospitality required an uncomfortable journey to a strange place full of encounters with strangers. The Magi were way out of their element. Can you picture with me for a moment a caravan, a kingly type caravan going into a small town? Like a tiny town? Like a really small place? Like, like Magi having to bend over on their camels to get through the, the gate of the city. Like Bethlehem knew that something was up. So that's radical. An uncomfortable journey to a strange place full of encounters with strangers. Their hospitality was accompanied by a sacrificial generosity. The Gifts they bring to the newborn king are exceedingly valuable, okay? We get the idea that these guys opened their cupboards and pulled out gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, hey, we had these laying around from last Christmas. Let's take them. We're going to re-gift them. I don't know what frankincense is anyhow. I don't plan to die, so I don't need myrrh, right? It's not what's happening. These gifts cost them money. Sometimes we get confused when I say generosity that I'm not talking about money. promise you I'll only talk about money as much as Jesus did. (laughs) Which for those of you who don't get the joke, conservatively is about 40% of the time, okay? So it required sacrificial generosity. These were exceedingly valuable gifts. So uncomfortable journey. To a strange place with strangers, sacrificial generosity. There's two. There's two more. 
Their hospitality was fraught with peril and, important, met with God's provision and protection. Come on now. I don't want to say either of these things separately. It would be tempting for me today to just say to you, God's provision and protection. Third P word, peril. Do you think that Herod wasn't going to kill these guys? That they weren't in grave danger? That when they went there, things weren't really scary? They entered into a strange place, into a political upheaval that they had, I bet you they had zero idea of the sinisterness that was coming. Herod was evil. Just the next verse, verse 13. He kills unborn babies, kids. He he commits genocide. This is not a nice man. This is not a cute story. The Magi are smart guys. They probably got it pretty quickly. What have we walked into? It was perilous. They were pawns. In one of my former churches, we had a saying that I have carried with me my whole life since then. We said, this is confirmation by opposition. We'd walk around a lot. In fact, I get a little disconcerted when things don't have a little opposition, good things of God don't have a little opposition, because evil fights back. And I want you to know that when I'm talking about radical hospitality, it is fraught with some peril, because evil doesn't like hospitality. Evil fights back. You know why? Because evil knows that hospitality carries with it the gospel. And evil stands against the gospel. I mean, is there a clearer picture of evil standing against the gospel than in this story? Trying to snuff it out before it even begins. But I don't want to just talk about peril because that would be incomplete. Our psalm today says that God is our sun and shield. He brings provision and protection to the Magi, doesn't he? He gives them a new way to go. I want to say something about the Magi. They're men. They're dudes. They're humans. I bet you helping Herod was a temptation for them. A temptation to increase their power and their wealth which are always at least the first two things that project evil forward, power and greed. The Holy Spirit gave them power to overcome the temptation because God provides. And then the Spirit gave them a different way home because God protects. Hospitality always brings peril. It does. Radical hospitality comes with peril. It, and, and, you know, I, I went over and over and over with this word. I mean, I was late to get vested and get prayed for today because of this word. What word do you want to use? Well, I'm not talking about discomfort. I'm going to let you in on something. God's not really concerned with your comfort. He meets us in our sufferings. But he's not concerned about our comfort. Peril's the right word. Radical hospitality requires us to put ourselves out there without always knowing what the outcome might be, but with a confidence that God will protect and provide always. Amen? Okay. So there's three. 
Uncomfortable journey, strange place, strangers, sacrificial generosity, peril protection provision. Last one. It, hospitality always, radical hospitality, always, always, always protects the vulnerable and stands up for the outcast. Hmm. Always, always, always. You always like a good pounding on the last day of Christmas. Like a... I don't say the word always very often. I'm careful. The Magi stood up for the vulnerable and the outcast. They stood for the outcast. They defended the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this little child. They said, no, we're going the other way. We're gonna... And actually, I suspect, it's not said here, I suspect they went another way to confuse Herod. I think they lengthened their journey and spent more money and were more sacrificial, you know, to bob and weave a little bit. You don't think Herod followed them? I mean, Herod knows what's going on here. He's not dumb. He's keeping track. I think they led him away from the path. Because radical hospitality defends the vulnerable and stands up for the outcast. So there's the Magi. Well, what made the Holy Families? What made their hospitality radical? It required an uncomfortable encounter with foreigners and sojourners. Can you imagine for a minute? I mean, the radical difference between Joseph, Mary, Jesus, and the Magi. You've got a baby born in a foreign country in a stable. A mother who's probably still in her teens. And a blue-collar foster dad who's probably trying to figure out his place in the family still. <laughs> And three kings show up at the door. Come on. Right? They welcomed in. I mean, who are these people? But the family said, come on in. What made their hospitality radical? Well, it was accompanied by sacrificial generosity. You know that, that in Jewish custom, it wasn't just come in, give us your gifts, and get out. The reality probably was, at, at the very least, this was an offer or making arrangements for them to stay with them until they were ready for their return trip. That's Jewish custom. There was a meal, and probably the extended families, everybody, the community coming over, hey, meet the Magi, Right? Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was a teenage mom. Jesus was a refugee. Sacrificial generosity. Come in. Sit with us. Sup with us. Eat with us. Uncomfortable encounters. Sacrificial generosities. And it was fraught with peril and met with provision and protection. Inviting the Magi in would have outed Joseph, Mary, and Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It would absolutely have outed Jesus as the King. I, I, we read this story, and I know that the Holy Spirit is confusing and moving the players. We get it. It's so evident here. We also can't lose the human side. Herod was on a mission to kill this baby, this child. 
I am sure that there were reports going back. Hey, there's this big party. Those guys that were with you, they, they ended up at this house. But Joseph and Mary invited them in. They didn't open the door crack and say, hey, could you just leave the gifts at the door? That would not be Jewish. They brought them in. And then they, then they had to leave because of this. The word was out, I think. And they had to flee to Egypt. They had to get up and run away. It was perilous. But God provided this pile of gold for the trip. I mean, listen, I don't know what all the gold was used for. I know some of the things. It was absolutely used to go to Egypt. <laughs> There's no question about it in my mind. God made a provision. And God sent an angel as protection. Angels all over the story, right? We miss it sometimes, so God just sent an angel this time. You need to run. Run. That flee, right? That's the word. You need to get up and go. So there's peril, but there's provision and protection. Just like there's sacrificial generosity, just like there's an encounter with foreigners and strangers. And Mary and Joseph's hospitality defended the vulnerable child, Jesus. They got up, and once again, after living close to two years probably, in a foreign place, in a city that they didn't know that well, with a little bit of means, trying to build, probably rebuild the carpentry business or jump on somebody's crew to make money, they stand up again and pick up all they have and run to a place that could not be more foreign to them like they were going to Mars. Don't miss the imagery that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords went back to Egypt. The God of the Passover returned to the place of his greatest victory (laughs) because Mary and Joseph were radically hospitable. This is a story about radical hospitality. Author Dr. Rosaria Butterfield writes in her book entitled The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which I think I owe Fran thanks for introducing me to. I quote a lot on this topic. She talks a little bit about, she's the one who coins uh, at least part of this phrase. I'm changing a little bit, but radical hospitality. I'm going to use a lot of her words here for just a minute, so bear with me. Here's what she says. For Christians to maintain an authentic Christian witness to a world that mistrusts us, at the very least, We must be transparently hospitable. The Christian life is a cross-bearing life. It's a cross-bearing life. That's what she means, cross-bearing. It's a cross-bearing life. And the Word of God calls and equips God's people to holy living. All our neighbors must know that we live differently from the world. Listen. They will know as we live visibly within the means of grace. Stay with me. Because then she goes on and says, this is how to live visibly within the means of grace and to be like Jesus and to be like the Magi and to be like Mary and Joseph and be radically hospitable. She goes on. She says, there's two things we have to do. First, we must live under the authority of God and his church if we are to call others to live differently. We must be active, tithing members of a Bible-believing church under her covenant of membership 
and willing to receive instruction and rebuke if needed. We must be teachable. We have no business calling our neighbors to live differently if we don't. There's one. How do you like me so far? I didn't say it. Because sometimes a prophet in his own land isn't listened to. I'll use her language. That's one. You got to live differently, and it's got to be radical. You go to church on Sundays? Yep. You give them money? Yep. Aren't those strangers? Yeah, Jesus encounters strangers. Isn't that really a sacrifice? Yeah, Jesus was sacrificially generous. Secondly, we must work hard to know who our neighbors are and how they struggle. There's more, but I want to let that sit for a minute. You know that there's protection and provision by being part of this family that allows us the confidence to walk out and get to know our neighbors who sometimes look a lot different and sound a lot different. Sometimes they're a little scary, and sometimes we learn more from them than we ever thought we could. The first and second of these two things are not separate. We are a family, brothers and sisters of God together, so that we have the ability and the courage and the confidence that we can get to know our neighbors and invite them to tell us their stories of how they struggle. And she goes on. We want to show respect and a helping hand. Radically ordinary hospitality practiced by biblical Christians views struggling people as image bearers of a holy God, needing faith in Christ alone, belief in Jesus and the rescuer of his people, repentance of sin, and covenant family within the church. I spoke about sacrificial generosity a few weeks ago, and I told you that it was a redundant term, that all generosity, according to the scriptures, is sacrificial. Today, I'm using a term that is also redundant. All hospitality, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as written by Matthew in chapter 2 of his book, All hospitality for us, no one is exempt from it, is radical. To say radical hospitality is a redundancy for Christians. I could just say hospitality, but I want to be really clear. Dr. Butterfield adds the word ordinary because she wants to be really clear that radical hospitality is just a normal way we're supposed to live. It's just part of our life. It is what we So I just want to give us a couple of things. How will we practice radical hospitality as Christians in the year to come? Now, I want to tell you that you've heard all of this. This is not new, but I want to just, I want to put it as things we're already doing and things we're going to do. There'll be more. There'll be more. But let's get these ones right, okay? And then we'll keep moving because they're foundational. I'm not just making them up. They're right. First of all, as a church together, we will introduce and next week we'll begin like kind of reorganizing our triads. Now, triads are a group of three family members, three brothers, three sisters, family. Three, good number, Trinity. You know the Trinity, good number. (laughs) That get together and practice Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two are good, three's way better. Can't break up three, three strong. You bind those three together, 
They got their radical hospitality on them. They're ready to go. And we get together for two reasons. We want to be formed by God in the ways that he wants us to walk. That's one. We want to be formed. We want to have conversations with our family members. Safe, right? It's safe to talk to people who are like you for a little bit. We want to build our muscle, though. There's a second reason. We want to be formed in the gospel. But we want to do something else. We want to practice conversations with brothers and sisters, right? And say things out loud. You know, sometimes you say things out loud with brothers and sisters. And they go, don't say that. That's dumb. No, don't. Don't do that. Don't say that to your neighbor. <laughs> you know. Right? I'm going to go to a funeral and tell the bereaved what I, how I experienced the loss of mine. Don't do that. <laughs> Our brothers and sisters say, don't do that. I'm going to go to my neighbor, and I'm going, to, I'm going to lead with all the things they're doing wrong. Don't do that. I'm going to practice it this week, and I'm going to come back and tell my brothers and sisters how bad it went. <laughs> I don't know if you had that in your tribe. I mean, I did it. I came back to my tribe this last time. I'm like, yeah, I did. How to go really badly, like really badly. They don't like me anymore. The second reason we're doing this together is to build our radical hospitality muscles. That's one thing. Next week, we'll reopen it. We're gonna, this next topic will be a catechetical, scriptural, and literary conversation around the Lord's Prayer. And you're all going, well, how does that what? Catechetical, liturgical, scriptural. Woo! <laughs> I'll tell you why we're doing it. Because the first two words speak to the greatest need most of us have. Our Father. I know there are a lot of needs in the human heart, but I am convinced of one. And that is the need and the desire to belong to a family. And by learning what it means to belong to a family together in triads... We can offer it to our neighbors in conversation when we are radically hospitable. We can say, would you like to come to our family? Because our father is really good. Now, that's just the first week. They keep coming in the Lord's Prayer. You mean I can enter into God's will on earth as it is in heaven? Yeah. You mean God will provide my daily bread every day? Yeah, because he's a God of provision and protection. You getting it? I want to say something today that I, um, is maybe the strongest statement I've made to you in four years. I hope it's profound enough for you to feel like it is. And it's probably a statement that I've leaned on more heavily as my pastoral responsibility to, do some, to be a prophet to you. So please listen to this. I believe it's a word of the Lord. The next revival in Fairfield County, probably New England, and maybe the nation, will come through deep, meaningful relationships. These relationships must include showing radical hospitality, welcoming strangers and sojourners, giving sacrificial generosity, defending the vulnerable, and facing peril with the confidence that in Christ we are always completely secure and safe, even in the face of death. This is how the next revival in Fairfield County will happen. I am convinced of it with my whole heart. I believe it is a word of the Lord for Church of the Apostles.
If we are not willing to be radically hospitable, we ought to stop talking about wanting to see people come to Christ. So triads help us with that conversation. Two, we're introducing living waters in just a week. We want to provide a space where those of us who have been wounded or sin and fear and unforgiveness and shame and anger and broken relationships and questionable identity and all of those things can be brought to the cross with other members of the family. It is those of us who are honest before God and others, who have our identity restored and we're clear about our meaning and purpose and we know that we know that we know we belong to a family. It starts in two weeks. We need more people. May I be blunt? There are those within the sound of my voice that need to do this. Those who have ears, let them hear. Third, next, this coming Saturday, just the next one, we are going to have a gathered together and canvassing event because radical hospitality defends the vulnerable. Bridgeport has reported the most child trafficking referrals in the last four, or five, four out of five years of data collection in Connecticut. Child trafficking. Now, that's a staggering statistic, but the issue of human trafficking is not isolated to cities, and it's certainly not isolated to only children. Women and men are also trapped in this. It's not just confined to cities, by the way. In fact, it's rampant in the suburbs. It's everywhere. Let me tell you how we got involved in this. Patty Hiller was at a community Bible study with others, and a nun about this tall talked about human trafficking in Connecticut with authority and power and said enough. And Patty and others, but Patty spearheaded this, came to me and said, I can't get this off my heart and mind. Can we start praying for this? So for the last year, we've been praying. In fact, there'll be a prayer meeting Friday right there. You should come right next door. Or maybe in here. It's gotten so big, maybe it's got to be in here. Who knows? And so we've been praying for a year. And through that praying, people began to come to me and say, hey, look, Bridgeport 2020 is the Bridgeport year. Nothing's going on in Bridgeport. There's no awareness. There's no people standing. There's no canvassing. There are no restoration houses. Hartford has some. New Haven has some. But Bridgeport and the Fairfield, like this kind of Fairfield County area, is empty of anyone standing up for this. Would you help us? 2020 is our year. Radical hospitality defends the vulnerable. So I said, sure, we'll help you. I put my scared music on, you know, in my head. You got the scared music. We'll help you. And then a couple of organizations came and said, the first thing that we'd like to do is we'd like to get the word out. I just want to say something. Our registration for the Gathered Together event Saturday is non-existent. No one has said they will come yet. It's uncomfortable to talk about slavery. 
especially when sex is involved, especially when children are involved. And it won't be the first time, sadly, that Christians have been scared to walk into peril when they've been invited to react radically and defend the vulnerable. We're going to do other things, but it has to start with having, it has to start with paying attention, right? At least know what's going on. So here's what I'm asking. I need you all to come. There's a way to register in your bulletin. You can let them know you're coming. We need, as church the apostles, to be the people who say to the rest of the community, we, we can do this because God protects and provides. Yeah, yeah, it could be a little scary. Could be a little scary. You don't have to be scared. Come. Come. We embodied radical hospitality last night, and with this, I'll close. We sat in this room around tables together as a family, and we asked our friends from Congregation Radef Shalom to join us, and they did. I'm still amazed that they do. And they sat in this room, and they heard these words. Oh, holy night, the star is brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Chains shall break for the slave is our brother and at his name all oppression shall cease. They listened to George say this, birth or death, there was a birth certainly. We have evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us like death, our death. We return to our places, these kingdoms. But no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with a foreign people clutching their gods. I shall be glad of another death. Our Jewish friends sat and listened to all of that last night and sang the words and cried and ate. And we didn't take ourselves too seriously which is part of being radically hospitable. We put on our crowns. (laughs) And at the end of the night, you may notice that there is writing on this wall. There's a tradition in Epiphany that begins and shows us radical hospitality. I'd love to come and do a house blessing over your house. It takes about an hour. I'll do it through Epiphany. I'll come over, and at the end, we'll write over the door a blessing, a hope that you have for your house for the year. Well, I have, a, I have a hope and a blessing for this house. Last night we wrote, CRS and Apostles, God bless our houses. I thought that was the right blessing for last night. I want to add to it tonight. May we be a people of radical hospitality. That is my hope for us as a church. It's my hope for Bridgeport and Fairfield County. It's my hope for CRS. It's my hope for your homes. That we would be people that say we are willing to sit down with the strangers and welcome the sojourners and the foreigners and people that we don't even know.
that we are glad to sacrifice and be generous. We're happy to do it. it. The Bible says it makes us hilarious, by the way, so it's a happy occasion anyhow. We're thrilled to know that, yeah, there's peril in it, but that God provides and protects and that we are a people who stand for the vulnerable and defend the outcast. That's the blessing that I hope as we walk out this epiphany, we will take with us day after day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.